This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Walker, and my co-host, as usual, is Kim. And today we are here with our EOS implementer, Tim Stoll of Traction Catalyst here in Baton Rouge. Hello, everyone. Hey, Tim. All right. So before we get too far into the podcast, I'm going to thank our sponsors. Thank you to our friends at RepairPal for providing this episode. RepairPal's certified network of shops are trusted by millions of customers each month. Learn more at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. Well, Tim, we're happy to be here with you today to talk about EOS and how EOS drives marketing. We talk about a lot of different things when it comes to marketing, and we hear a lot of discussion about EOS. But one of the things that really doesn't get discussed much is the marketing side of EOS, and it's such a big part of it. Sure, it certainly is. It's an important component for any organization is the marketing has to be right. Yep. And it's one of the things that you really dig into. And so much of what we do in EOS that may not even necessarily the purpose of it be for marketing, it adds to your marketing. It helps you to, to be better in your marketing. Absolutely. It's all about accountability. So before we get too far into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and like what made you become an EOS implementer? Having run business units in the chemical industry. And so to kind of give you a flavor for that, Basically, anybody that had a polyethylene or polypropylene plant anywhere in the world was either a client or a potential client, okay? So that was the area that I was used to. The organization that I was a part of just became, it just wasn't a good fit anymore. It became a very toxic culture. So I left there and started my own business offering business coaching and peer advisory type services to small business clients here in the Baton Rouge area. One of the things that I saw pretty quickly, though, was that oftentimes clients were having difficulty with delegating and getting things done through other people. So I was looking for a kind of a system or a framework that might help facilitate that. And I read the book Traction by Gina Wickman and the light went on for me and I realized the system had already been invented. And so I went to Detroit and became trained as an implementer, and I've been doing that for the last seven years, helping companies and their leadership teams get what they want from their businesses. So what is it that you love most about what you do? I would imagine a lot, there's a big sense of satisfaction that comes from helping people with these things. Yeah. So I was just facilitating a client's annual retreat earlier this week. We've been working together for about a year. And they were so excited about the fact that they were hitting already their three-year target just a year into the process. And so seeing a team come together and get stuff done is really a gratifying part of it. I, I think another thing that I really like is the fact that I get to work with a lot of different kinds of companies in a lot of different industries. And so just learning about those different industries is, is a lot of fun for me. For me, when people ask me, like, what is this EOS thing? I never bring up the marketing part of it. It's always the stuff that you just talked about, that it's keeping us aligned and cohesive as a team and all moving in one direction and that sort of thing. Brian probably is going to share a story about how he just went off to an event where normally he would go to these events and come back with all these, oh, I heard this, we got to do this, and we have to implement this, and we have to try this thing. and that's not the case anymore. So it was quite 
refreshing to go to an event like that and not come back with this huge list of things. As they're talking about these things that you really needed to be doing in your agency, it's like, we do that. And not only do we do, but we do it really well. And it is because of EOS. There are two things that people hear me talk about all the time that were the difference maker in our business. And that's EOS and Profit First. And those two programs have been everything to taking us from being a complete hot mess to a company where things just click. And I don't want to talk too much, but I'm going to go on just a little bit about this because one of the things that I've been doing over the past two weeks is our EOS quarterly conversations. And this was our first time doing the quarterly conversations. Why don't you explain a little bit more about what that quarterly conversation is all about? Just an informal meeting with each one of my team members. I meet with them individually. And there's really two questions that I ask, and that is what's working, what's not working. They have had such a hard time finding the things that are not working. And it's because of EOS when we have our meetings and we IDS things, which IDS is identify, discuss, solve. Nothing ever becomes a big issue because we solve it before it can become a big issue. Right. But I was talking to Kim and JR about it, and I asked them each, I was like, could you imagine if we had asked that question to our team five years ago, what's, what's not working? <laughs> and the list that we would have gotten would have been so overwhelming. And there were some situations where we did ask some similar questions to that, and it mm -hmm. was very overwhelming. And you've probably noticed, too, that the kinds of issues that you're solving now are a different type of issue than what you were addressing when you first started EOS. Yeah, well, the, the issues that we used to have to solve were something's on fire. Mm -hmm. Now, they're tiny little issues that have not had the opportunity to get big yet, and we solve it before it does. Well, and that's because it's kind of baked into the program, if you want to call it program, of the system, so that, like with the scorecards where we're tracking numbers and everybody has something they're responsible for, you're able to project and see trends and realize an issue that you might not have been able to noticed before. Right. So right. it's we're asking you, what do you love about it? From the business owner perspective, that's what I love about it. And our team loves it. Like they are so bought into it. It is so critical. And I'm going to say this last thing and then we need to move on to talk about the marketing part. <laughs> but Brian's the visionary. So he's the idea guy, or as I like to say, the squirrel chaser. And <laughs> That's true. It is true, but this allows him to still be that squirrel chaser, idea guy, visionary. Doing what he does best. That It gives him the space to do that. And it doesn't mean that every one of his ideas becomes something, but there's a system in place for him to be able to share those ideas, collaborate, for people to listen, and then for us to enact and get things done and not be, oh my God, Brian has gone at a conference. What's he going to come back with? <laughs> you know? Well, it allows me to, to really be, like Kim said, who I am because it used to drive me nuts that I was that person that I have all of these ideas and I know the direction that the business needs to go in, but I'm not the person who can execute those things. Mm -hmm. My mind just doesn't work that way. But then I, you know, I have the amazing blessing of having both JR and Kim, who are both natural integrators, who like they just get stuff done. So they're able to squash my ideas that are not good ones, mm -hmm. like the ones that they know. Maybe that's a good idea down the line, or maybe that's something we shouldn't touch at all. 
Whereas I would try to chase that. They can shut that down. And then when I have a good idea, they're like, that's one that we go after. Mm-hmm. And then they can take it and run with it and execute. And, you know, I used to be this person that, I mean, it beat me down mentally because I had all these things I knew I wanted to happen, but they just never happened. But now we have a system of getting those things done. Right. And there was probably a time that you beat yourself up over the fact that you couldn't see how to get things done. And Very much so. I mean, I used to, I would say I have no business being a CEO. But EOS has kind of given you a framework and a structure to really thrive and to fly that visionary flag and be who God created you to be, right? Yes, exactly. And everybody else, right? I mean, he gets to be the visionary, but everybody else on the team, right person, right seat, they're doing what they feel they were created to do, which is marketing. Which normally, when it comes to this, I'm the loosey-goosey, let's talk about all. But seriously, our team, we're marketers, right? That's who we are. That's what we do. And so having marketing built into the EOS system is just phenomenal. It's really funny to hear our team talk about the core focus and our core values and the BHAG was such a big thing for us, which we're going to talk about. So I'm, I'm now I'm loosey goosey going all over the place. So yeah. let's talk about the marketing part of EOS. Yeah, let's let's dig into that. We have some things in EOS that are like they are defined as this is the marketing part of EOS, and then there's parts of EOS that may not be, but they still they support it. Yeah, let's talk about that. We'll start with one of the things that EOS has you do is you define your target market. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So all customers and prospects are not created equal, right? There are some that you very well, and then there are others that don't fit so well. And whether that's the way they're structured or how they think or where they are, but they're just not that good a fit. And so what EOS has you to do is to think about who is the target. It doesn't matter if you're a small business or a billion-dollar company or a multi-billion-dollar company. You always have to define the target for your marketing because nobody has unlimited sales dollars and marketing dollars. And so you want to use those resources in the most cost-effective way. And one of the ways is to, first of all, define who it is that you're going for, who fits you the best. That's such a big deal, especially in our industry. And I say especially in our industry. I'm sure this is industry-wide or it's outside Marketing of the industry. Every, every industry. But Kim talks about it all the time that when we ask people, who is it that you're trying to reach? You know, who is a perfect client for you? What do they say, Kim? Anyone with a car. Yeah. <laughs> We're but, like, no. But that is so not true. Right. And I'm going to read from our VTO, which is the Vision Traction Organizer. We're not going to dig in like too far into that stuff. But there's something called the Vision Traction Organizer that just organizes all these things that we're talking. And you you kind of have it at your fingertips all the time. So our target market at Shop Marketing Pros is a 30 to 55-year-old male, former tech, owner or general manager of an auto repair shop in the United States that produces at least $750,000 in yearly revenue. They want to be known as the best. They believe they are the best. Quality trumps price for them. They have a coach or they're in some sort of 20 group. And they attend at least one industry event per year. They have marketing already, but want better, more personalized marketing. The thing about that is that we do have clients who don't perfectly fit this. And they're still great clients. But again, this is what's driving our marketing. We know that this is the majority of who we're going. We got a 30 to 55 year old male here. We both know that female shop owners are much better to work with. I'm sorry to say, (laughs) but they are. 
You know, they, they, but this give, is us, they what, give us what we what we need, you know, when we're asking right. them for the assets that they might have for doing mm-hmm. marketing. When they say they're going to do something, it gets done. But that's not the norm in the industry that the shop would be owned by a female. So mm-hmm. we have to go with who are the majority of the clients that were who represents the majority of the clients that we are looking for? That fits you best, right? Yeah. And that's a very detailed target market that right. I just put out there because we know, you know, things like if they're working with a coach, if they're going to industry events, they're a top tier shop. But we've labeled that, right? Yeah. And I don't know that you as our implementer even knows this. Maybe you do. But we basically took all of that and combined it down into three words. Mm-hmm. We do top tier marketing for top tier shops. And that's more than three words. <laughs> top tier shop is where I was going at. And we have a private Facebook group for shop owners in the industry where we're talking about marketing. Right. And in there, we posed a question and it's from their conversations. I need to go look back and see. There was one person that actually commented something about the words top tier. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's totally it. They identify. If you say top tier shop, they're like, because at first we were talking we were about top 1% Top shops. 1%. And they, got, they got hung up on the financial aspect of that. Right. They're like, well, I'm not, I don't fit I'm that. not in the top 1%. Whereas we were looking at it, top 1% as those shops that are involved in the industry. They're doing everything the right way. They're wanting to grow. Mm-hmm. So they're, when I asked that question in the group, they were like, well, we, we want to be a 1% shop, but we do not consider ourselves a 1% shop right now. Right. But they do consider themselves a top tier shop. All right. So we've established how important it is to go after that, the right client. There's something in EOS called the three uniques. Tell right. us about the three uniques. So three uniques is just the term that we use in EOS. These are what differentiates you from your competitors. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have anything that differentiates you, then you're only left with one thing, and that's price. Yeah. Okay? And for a small business, that forces you to compete with all the big guys, and that's just not a winning strategy. And so the idea then is to think about what makes you different, think deeply about that, because there's probably, if you had a lineup, if you were in a lineup with a hundred of your competitors... There might be a pretty sizable amount that might share one of those uniques with you. A much smaller subset might have two of those things in common with you, but only you have all three. Those are the three things that make you unique, the three things taken together. So it's not three unique things. It's three things taken together that make you different. And the important thing about that is once you've defined your target market, It's those three things that have got to matter to that target market. Mm -hmm. Those two things hang together because if you got three things that make you different, but they don't matter to your target market, Mm -hmm. it's not meaningful. Yeah. One of your uniques is not customer service. We ask people, what is different about your shop than your competitors? And they say, well, we give the best customer service. And maybe that really is one of your three uniques, but you need to find a different way to say it because everybody says that. Yeah. All of you who don't have good customer service, raise your hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I love talking about sponsors of the podcast who have already worked with and who have used before. So today I'm super excited to talk to you about RepairPal, which if you didn't know, will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair, and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. Our shop was in RepairPal's certified network 
and it was great for getting new customers who were looking for more than just oil changes. The average RepairPal customer spends over $600 on their first visit. I loved it, especially because we all know that consumers still mistrust repair shops. But the millions of customers that visit RepairPal.com monthly, they trust RepairPal certified shops for their high quality and great service. And there's no fear about being overcharged. So we were able to just focus on the repair. I highly recommend you check them out. It's the way to grow your business. Go to RepairPal.com forward slash shops, get one month of service free, and save $150 off certification. All right, so moving from the three uniques, we've got the proven process. The proven process is just a one-page graphic, and it kind of like a picture is worth a thousand words. So why not show them as opposed to tell them what that relationship is going to look like from the time you think about doing business with us until you've got a successful ongoing relationship. And that takes the relationship out of the transactional. I bring you a car, you pay me money, I fix it to an ongoing relationship. And you give people a picture of what that looks like. And that's so much more powerful And it's a confidence builder to your client that, hey, I know enough about what these relationships need to look like. And when they can see it and see it in their mind's eye, they can buy into it. And that helps to build loyalty. Obviously, tying this into marketing, we have that graphic on our website. We have used it in ads. We've broken it apart and talked about it in various social media posts. We've discussed it in podcasts, you know, so when people are listening to this and they're like, well, what would I do with that? Everything. You would do everything with that. I personally, I think we've talked about this before, love about so many parts of EOS, but this specifically is that it ties perfectly into something that we implemented in our business a long time ago Mm -hmm. that has to do with story and how you fit your customer. And it's their story that you're really telling, which is story brand. Right. And a big part of story brand is helping them to know how easy is it going to be to do business with you. And we've had clients that have referenced our process without saying this is your process. What drew me to you was that you're going to listen, that you're going to be involved in in the whole thing. And so we're talking about all these things because they relate to marketing. The proven process is something that's very important to when we're talking about automotive repair shops, those customers want to know what's the process like? Well, how am I going to drop my car off? And how communicative are you going to be with me on what's wrong with my car? And so that's all part of the story that you're telling through your marketing. Absolutely. Yep. So the next thing we look at is the guarantee. And guarantee is just thinking through the sales conversations that you have with your customers and prospects. And if there is an objection that comes up more often, then maybe there's a guarantee that you could craft around that. A guarantee, some people soften it, call it a pledge or a promise. But if there's a way to take that objection off of the table, it just makes you easier to do business with. And so when we think about this marketing strategy, defining the target market, and then the next three things are, what are we going to say that really matters to this target market? What are our three uniques? What is our proven process? And then what's our guarantee? Those are the three things that, as Kim was saying, you have to channel 
through every channel that you have to your marketplace, every customer-facing channel that you've got into the marketplace, you want to create that consistent message where that channel is addressing your target market primarily. That's where you're targeting. And then what you're saying to them is those three things consistently across every channel. The guarantee is usually a pretty easy one in the world of auto repair. Usually it's just going to be what your warranty is. Mm -hmm. A lot of shops are extending their warranties out now. You know, it used to be that two years, 24,000 miles was the the standard. And I think it's something that people have come to expect now, but we're seeing more and more shops with that three year, 36,000 mile or the four year, 48,000 mile, or even taking it a step further. And they're a a member of a program where that's a nationwide warranty, you know, so if they were a member, something like CarQuest TechNet or Napa or whatever, if somebody has their car fixed at your shop and they're across the country and that repair fails, then they can get it repaired under warranty by another shop that's part of that program. Sure. So the guarantee is one of the easier ones in the for the auto repair shops. Mm-hmm. But it's important to know that your clients want to know what that is. And it's something that you should be promoting. All right. So those are the things that are really like your defined marketing things within EOS. But there's a lot in EOS that that really helps with the marketing. And one of them that are that I think about the most is the accountability chart. So the accountability chart is all about who's responsible for what. So some people look at it and go, well, that's just an org chart. Well, there are some key differences. First of all, the accountability chart is not about titles and position. It's about function. And so we start with the different functions that are at play in an organization, one of which is always going to be the sales and marketing area. So in some companies, sales and marketing are together under one person. In other companies, they're split. Sales has one line of accountability and marketing has another. But regardless, then we need to define, all right, so what are the key accountabilities? What are the roles that define that particular seat and what it's going to deliver to the organization? So when we define that marketing seat, it's not only about the person that's sitting in it, because we haven't even gotten to that stage yet. We're just, we're looking at the structure of the organization and marketing being a piece of that structure, a key function. And then what are the most important roles that marketing function is going to deliver to the organization? And that's going to be different depending upon the different company, what industry they're in, that sort of thing. While I was doing these quarterly conversations one of the things that I was told was working was the accountability chart. And all of the things that I thought people Hmm. would tell me, I never expected the accountability chart to be one of them, but she loved that it is well-defined who is responsible for what. So if there's ever an issue, she knows exactly who to go to about that thing. And I love what you said about it's not an org chart. It's so much more than that because I'm trying to think. We have a, a great example. Okay, so when it comes to in our company, you know, it's been a marketing agency. Well, Kim sits in that seat on the accountability chart. Like she is responsible for the marketing, but she's not the one who's actually doing the marketing. She's the one who's responsible for it. She's the one who's responsible for making sure that things are happening like they're supposed to be happening. And then there's other people who are responsible for the actual execution of these various things. Something funny just happened with that is that I'm the one sitting in that seat that's responsible for it. However, Caroline does a lot 
with obviously our social media and our email and Haley does ads and Brian's over here doing his own videos and doing this. And it's because of EOS that somebody on our team was like, I think we probably really need our own. So we have meetings, right? Departmental meetings. And so now we have a marketing L10 level 10 meeting that's for driving our own marketing. And we've had two meetings and they've been great. And we've already gotten a lot done. I will say that without having done that, and it it came down to the accountability chart, right? Right. Someone was like, well, Kim is supposed to be responsible for that, but this one's doing that and that one's doing, can we all come together and let's make sure we're on that same page. And so if we had not done that, there's a lot of things that Brian has intentionally put on his own plate that now other people can see, oh, wait, I can be doing that or I can be doing that. And so now there's a plan for how we're going to implement and accomplish and execute some of these things that are just hanging out there and are going to be like the company you talked about. We're implementing some of those things in our own marketing plan, getting them done more efficiently, faster, and be more productive with it is going to push the needle and cause us to maybe reach goals faster than we would have while it was just sitting out there waiting to be done. So it's the accountability chart that drove that whole discussion it ended up in our team saying, okay, we need a meeting when normally they'd be like another meeting, <laughs> you know, but so well, much gets done. That And that's something at the core of EOS is, is this meeting pulse. And one of the things that I would imagine if I'm sitting in your seat, one of the things that you hear from people a lot is that's a lot of meetings. It sounds like a lot of meetings, but it reduces the number of meetings drastically yeah. because you get so much done. So much is accomplished during those meetings. And even in our in our business, no one's in more than two meetings in a week. Mm-mm. You talked earlier about, and I'm not talking about the accountability chart, but accountability for making sure things are getting done literally in the car before I walked in here. So we have a Slack channel called Great News. And Michelle posted in there because next week is our deadline for our rocks, our big tasks, big projects that we have to get done. And she knew that the deadline was next week. So she just posted in the Great News channel, I got my Google certification, which is was her thing. So it's driving people to do things that otherwise would have been like, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. So it's just been so good for us. The next one is the scorecard. It goes back to the old adage that what gets measured gets done. These work in concert with the weekly meetings that Kim was talking about. And so, Brian, you alluded to the fact that oftentimes when I am in front of clients or prospects and they look at the EOS program and they think, wow, that's a lot of meetings. And if your only frame of reference is that meetings are a place that you go to waste time Mm -hmm. or where time is wasted, then you think in those terms. But if you flip the script and you think of it in terms of meetings are a place where we go to get productive, to leverage the productivity that we can get from that meeting and become way more productive during the week when we're outside of the meeting, that's a whole different ballgame. And it's something that many companies and people in those companies have never experienced. One of the highlights for me is seeing that happen. But a part of the meeting pulse is every single week looking at the scorecard. And the scorecard is not so much about results, but it's about measuring activity. And so if if we're looking at a particular result that we want to achieve, 
then we have to back up to the steps in achieving that result and ask ourselves, what can we measure in the way of activity that's going to give us a high probability of achieving the result that we want to achieve? And those activities are the things that we're measuring every single week. And so that scorecard being produced every week provides automatic accountability because for everything that we're measuring, somebody is responsible for that measure. And so that brings another level of accountability in terms of, are we getting the things done that we said we were going to do that are going to matter in the way of achieving rocks or achieving yearly goals, the things that we want to get done? Yeah, I think about our our scorecard and the thing that I'm directly responsible for is how many pieces of content were produced because content is how we market. This is a piece of content that we're doing right here is this podcast episode, but written content, videos, all of these things, the more of it we do, the more we expose ourselves to shop owners who need our services. I'm tracking the growth of our private Facebook group, the number of people that watch our webinar. JR is tracking the number of leads coming in who, where those came from, like whether it was from a Google ad or a Facebook ad or a coach in the industry or whatever it might be. But there's a, it's not too much, but it's a good bit of numbers. But the beautiful thing about it is, so we know how many new clients we brought on, if we lost any clients, how many website projects are happening at a certain time. You start to learn what the average is. And we're also tracking For example, let's say website projects. We know that we want to have, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but more than 10 going at any one time. So if that number drops, that little square turns red. So it's like an alert. We're like, be careful. Like, let's pay attention to this. Do we need to do something to get more website projects? Or if the leads fall off, we're starting to see trends of we go out and we attend all these conferences or we visit shops, the leads go up. It's this beautiful picture of being able to see in a snapshot how the business is doing. And a lot of those numbers are marketing numbers that we're paying attention to. So, And you kind of alluded to it, but this is an important piece. And that is that the scorecard, weekly scorecards, and being able to spot trends enables you to make better decisions because mm-hmm. you're making decisions on the basis of numbers as opposed to somebody's feelings. opinion yep. or feelings or egos or emotions. Mm-hmm. And so being able to make data-based decisions is a much more powerful decision that you can make. Well, Brian just put together a revenue, like a projection model that was his rock that we just had. It's pretty impressive. It's all in a spreadsheet on paper where we're like, okay, at this point, we're going to need to hire this person. This is what our gross revenue is going to be. And this is how much that person is going to cost. Like it was just shocking to me to see a projection like that and be able to make decisions. And, you know, in the past, it seemed like every time we would make two steps forward, we're like, oh, okay, we're finally profiting. And then oh, we have to hire someone. So then it's like financially taking a step back, but now we're able to see it. And it's like the whole picture is there and you don't get wrapped up in this emotional roller coaster of... Yeah, because you might see a a space in that revenue production model where, okay, we're going to go into the red for a little bit, but then we can see that model as it stretches out and say, but here's where we come out and here's the prize down here. 
All right. So let's talk about rocks because I never really even thought about that from a standpoint of marketing, but it does directly have to do with it. Sure it does. It has to do with getting the things done that you need to do. And so a rock is just a 90-day goal. And so every 90 days, an EOS team comes together and they decide what are the most important things to accomplish in the next 90 days, both at the company level and at the personal level. And so that's what a rock is. It's just a 90-day goal, one of these important things. And the thing about these rocks are, and I'm sure you've seen this as your company has evolved through this EOS process, is that early on and now are two different things when it comes to setting rocks. The kinds of rocks you were setting then are way different than the kinds of rocks that you're setting now for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've got a much better feel for what could you actually bite off as an organization and individually in a 90-day period. And the other thing is all those rocks that had to do with solving the things that were creating the firefighting, a lot of that's behind you now. And so you can be looking at much more strategic level kinds of things. So, Kim, just the exercise that you described about creating that revenue model and when are we going to need to hire, that's a very strategic kind of a tool that's going to serve you well going forward. And back in the early days of doing EOS was probably not something you could even contemplate because of all the other things that had to happen. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When we sat in here just under three months ago and that became one of my rocks, I was like, that's a monster. And I am not looking forward to doing that. And I don't know how to do that. But I dug into it and figured it out. And now I have this thing. It's a map. You know, it's it's a plan. And there's certain things that have to happen for it to roll out the way that it will. I'm sure we'll be talking about that because we'll be right back in this building next week having our next quarterly meeting. And I'm sure I'm going to have some rocks come out of that that are going to be directly related to that revenue and production model. Well, and most of the time, I think when people have something like that, exactly what he just said, I don't even know how to get started with that, would push it off and wait and wait and procrastinate. But it's due. Technically, I think today is the due date for all of our rocks. But you did that a month month. ago. Like it was finished Mm -hmm. a month ago. And another thing, too, is when you got things like this or you got questions, don't hesitate to reach out to your EOS implementer Mm -hmm. because oftentimes we either can help with that process. It might be just asking questions that stimulate thought or we might be able to point you in the direction of somebody that can help you. But that's just part of the service with an implementer is you've got access in between sessions. It's not just during the session itself. I just used it. I don't even know that Brian even knows that I just used you, right? It was more of an HR related thing, more team building, not marketing, so to speak. But we come here and we learn these tools, right? These EOS tools. And I had something come up that I thought I was going in the right direction, but I just emailed Tim and I'm like, hey, here's what's going on. I don't even know if this is in the scope of work that we do with you. But he replied and he was like, yeah, absolutely it is. I'm here for you in the interim and here's the tool. Here's what to do with it. And so, because you come here and I know there was one time that I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't you teach me that tool last time? Like, (laughs) you know, there's, I guess, this order to rolling it out, or I don't know if you just know what we need. And so you pull it out of your magic bag. But yeah, there's a ton of tools available that help in the interim. And so it's definitely a great suggestion to 
reach out to your implementor and and a, a side them. note on that. Okay. You don't have to work with an implementer to do EOS. You can read the book and go try to do it, but work with an implementer. I mean, when we first got started, so we, actually we started EOS, it's probably been six years ago now, maybe a little more than that, when we first started with EOS and we, we, on read, our own. we read the book Traction, we did it on our own and we like, we had one foot in one foot out. And this time when we did it, my integrator, JR, was like, okay, we'll do EOS, but the only way that I'm getting bought into this is if we hire an implementer. And I remember when I first looked at it, when we came and talked and I looked at investment <laughs> in it and everything, I was like, man, this is crazy. There's just no way. But I tell people now it is the best money I've ever spent. So if you are going to do EOS, hire an implementer, you're Listen to me now. As I'm saying this, you're going to have some sticker shock. You are going to think that you can't do it, but it will be the best money that you will ever spend to Hold hire on. that implementer. Shop owners, here's the deal. It's the same feeling you had when you saw a coach and their price tag oh, yeah. or going to a conference or finally saying, oh, wow, all these other shops are closing up for the week and bringing their whole team to apex or to SEMA or division it's the same thing they are familiar with this they know oh well when i finally decided to go work with a coach it paid for itself however many times yeah. it's the same thing but hire the implementer don't try to do it yourself okay so we talked about rocks let's talk about the vision traction organizer the vto the vision traction organizer is literally a two-page strategic plan now, I came from a corporate background where we did strategic plans that were 50, 100 pages for a business and so forth. And they would put together a strategic plan. We would have all the updated numbers. We present them all the way up the line. And then when that was done and it was blessed, we would go do the best we could in our business. And somebody around September, October would say, hey, it's time to do the next strategic plan. And that would have been the first time we pulled it out, dusted it off, and looked at it and said, I wonder how we did. Well, this is different. This is a strategic plan that truly be called a living document in that it stays in front of us and we're revisiting it every single quarter to make sure that it's still right, it's still relevant, that we're hitting our numbers, that we're truly on track. The first page is just the vision page. It's just getting clear as a leadership team, where are we going and how are we going to get there? So of the eight questions that we answer on the Vision Traction Organizer, none of which are complex, it's all about getting on the same page with respect to those answers. Because chances are pretty high before we walked into the first meeting together, Brian's answers to the eight questions were probably different than Kim's, were Absolutely. probably different from JR's. Mm -hmm. Having done this for several quarters now, this is a matter of everybody being on the same page and being clear with those answers. So the eight questions are, the first one is, what are your core values? What do you stand for? What are your non-negotiables as an organization? And this has everything to do with attracting the right people to your organization and repelling the people that just don't fit. And that's customers and team members. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. We've parted ways with some people over that. Like customers. Sure. Yeah. And team members that may be very skilled in what it is that you do in their particular area, 
but they just don't fit your core values. They don't represent those core values. Gino Wickman says your core values are what you reek of when other people come in contact with you. Mm-hmm. Or said another way, what you smell like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's what people get from you when they're a yeah. personal interaction. And so the core values is extremely important. But the second question then is the core focus. And the core focus is really just defining your why and your what. Why do you do what you do? And what is it that you do really well? What is it that you can be world-class in and where you can really make money? And those two things together define that core focus. It defines what you're going to do as well as what you're not going to do. So it keeps you from chasing the shiny objects. Mm -hmm. I I want to read ours. And the reason why is because it took me a while to wrap my head around this because, you know, you would think, well, our core focus needs to be something about marketing. We're a marketing agency. So the core focus has two parts. We've got our purpose and our niche. The purpose is to improve the quality of life of our team and our clients. And when we're making a decision in the business, we can look back at that and say, does this help to accomplish that? Does this help to improve the quality of life of our team and our clients? And it can make something a very easy answer. And then our niche, it is currently personalized marketing for auto repair shops. I believe that after next week, it'll be top tier marketing for top tier shops, but personalized marketing for auto repair shops. So it's not what you might think about when you first think about the core focus, because you're probably going to get all wrapped up in the thing that you do, the product or the service that you sell. But to improve the quality of life of our team or clients, that's not necessarily marketing. Right. And so... Being as clear about what you're not going to do as what you are going to do and where you can really shine Mm -hmm. is a key thing. It's really important for how successful you're going to be. But then next, we have to ask ourselves, all right, so what's the big goal? What's our 10-year target? We had such a hard time with this. Exactly. (laughs) Share a little bit about why that was the case. I could not make myself dream that far out. I'm a dreamer. Don't get me wrong. But I can see out to about maybe three years. And once you get past that, like people start talking about their five-year goals and 10-year goals, I kind of laugh because if I think back five years ago to what my goals were, they are not what my goals are now. And the thing is, is that 10-year target, it may change. Exactly. We're going to revisit this every quarter. And if we look at that and say that needs to change, then we can make that decision to change it. But We had such a difficult time with this because we're trying to come up with something. It should be that rally point, the thing that the team looks at and they're like, I can get behind that. And this is one of the, it's not the reason, but it's one of the reasons that I come into work. It's one of the reasons that I do what I do and why I do a great job at work. And right now, our 10-year target is to have our name known as the best auto repair marketing company by every shop in America. That's a big you know, the, it's a big, inspiring goal. Yeah. And that's the point, really, is that having that goal and communicating that 10-year target to your employees, who probably a lot of your employees would be considered younger employees, millennial employees, yes. right? They're going to be... Actually, not even millennials. Some of them are Gen, Gen, Z. Gen Z. So the point being that they've got a much longer runway in terms of their work career mm-hmm. than maybe you see yourself having. Yeah. But the point of having this 10-year target is that gives them a picture of what that future is going to be that they realize they're, they're going to still be in the workforce 10 years from now. And they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Everybody does. Yeah. And it's the difference between an employee who comes to work and trades you some hours for a paycheck 
and a worker who's truly inspired Mm -hmm. to do their very best for you. Okay. And that's one of the things that this 10-year target serves. We've talked about the marketing strategy, Mm -hmm. about defining who is your target market and what are you going to say to them. And so with these four questions answered, who you are, you know, what you're about, where you're headed, how you're going to get there. The fifth question then is about creating that three-year picture, painting a picture of what your organization looks like three years into the future. It's not so far in the future that it's way out there, but it's not next year either. Mm -hmm. We used to create our strategic plan in the corporate world was a five-year plan. Five years was so far out there that there could be so many things that changed. Three years, though, is not Mm -hmm. quite so difficult to see. And so we're just really naming the date, creating a revenue target, a profit target, any other key numbers that are going to define us, and then in bullet points, five to 15 bullet points, we're just painting that picture of what we look like. This isn't about goals. This is about giving your employees a picture of what you look like, because when they and you can all see this company in their mind's eye, they're much more likely to actually achieve that. And the power of that three-year picture, when everybody can see it, everybody's working towards it. It's just like that company that I had the annual retreat with. And they said, hey, we're about to achieve our three-year picture, but we're still mm-hmm. about in the first year. Yeah. You know? Well, he just had a similar realization from our scorecard when he looked at a certain number. I remember him messaging JR and I or saying it in our L10 meeting oh, we just passed this mark and this is what it's going to be for us in a year from now or something yeah. like that. And it's just a, we're on the right path. We're right. we're going in or, that direction. Or we're not, you know? So well, right. like when we're relating this to marketing, if we've got a three-year picture and you look at your shop and you say, okay, I'm, I'm at, I'm at 1.5 million in revenue and I want to be at 3 million in revenue in three years, that gives you a target. That's And that is, all right, what do we need to do in our marketing mm-hmm. to hit this revenue goal that we have and that's going to affect everything from your marketing budget because let me tell you if you're wanting to double over the course of three years you're going to be spending more than the five percent on your marketing Mm -hmm. budget you're probably going to be getting up in that 10 12 percent to do that so it helps you with determining your marketing budget but also the actions that you're going to take because you have you've got a big goal there Right. And the assets that you're going to need, the marketing assets that you're going to need to achieve that three-year picture. Yeah. Because it doesn't just happen on its own, right? Yeah. And so then that is the first page. That's the vision page. And the value of that three-year picture is in creating a context for then turning the page to the second page and actually creating the, all right, what are we going to do this year? Mm -hmm. Okay. In very much the same way, we're naming our revenue target, profit target, key numbers, and then our three to seven goals, not the 37 initiatives, Mm -hmm. but the three to seven legitimate goals that are going to define success, not the least of which may be a marketing goal that we're going to have to achieve this in our marketing in order to be successful for the year. But we don't stop there. We then break the year into 90-day increments, into Mm -hmm. quarters. And we define, all right, so if this is where we need to be in a year, because that's going to put us where we need to be three years from now, which is going to enable us to hit that 10-year target, back that all the way down to what do we need to do in the next 90 days? 
That's getting right down to right here where we are right now. Three to seven, We to differentiate from the yearly goals, we call these rocks. They're just 90-day goals. And so what are the three to seven rocks that we have as a company? And then further down the line is what are individual rocks? So for your leadership team, Kim, you may have a company rock that you're responsible for, but you've also got a set of personal rocks, things that you want to achieve that are relevant in your particular area. Brian, the same. JR, the same. You've all got rocks and you have rolled this concept of rocks out to your next level employees so that they all have rocks. And by the time you add all that up, this particular quarter, when we come together next week, how many rocks do you think will have been accomplished? Across the team? 30, 40? Yeah, at least. That's 30 or 40 things that are getting done every single quarter. And these are not little things. Right. I mean, these rocks are, are yeah, it's pretty It's not big a task. It's sometimes, something that takes time. Sometimes you may have something that's so big that you have to break that down into individual rocks. Exactly. But it's still, I think about, you know, especially from a marketing standpoint, one of my first rocks that we put together was building the podcast studio. Mm-hmm. You know, so I built out the podcast studio. And now at this point, we're going to be 55 weeks in. So we're over a year of podcasts now. And that, mm-hmm. that podcast brings us business. Yeah. You know, people listen to our marketing advice and decide to hire us. Mm-hmm. That was a worthy rock. Like it got done and now we're using it to create this content. And your rock and auto repair shop, it might be to clean your shop. Do, well, it could be clean your shop, but it, it could be doing a certain number of videos. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, no shop owners that have been telling me for quite a while now that they're going to start doing videos. And every time I, I see mm-hmm. them, it's like, oh, I haven't started yet, but yeah. I'm going to. But if you follow an EOS and you set that up as a rock. It's going to get done. It's going to get done. Yep. Because you are now responsible to your team for that thing. It's in writing that right. I'm going to do this by this date. Right. Right. And if you don't accomplish your rocks, you think your team's going to accomplish theirs? No. So you're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one of the things that I love about it. So I'm so grateful for you, Tim, for bringing this, like you've brought a completely different side of EOS to the automotive industry because we're part of the the aftermarket radio network that is remarkable results radio. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot about EOS there, but this is one that I really don't think has ever been discussed. Definitely not in this depth. Yeah. I am certain that some of these marketing related things have been mentioned, but not a deep dive like this. It's going to be very, very helpful to people for sure. So Tim, if someone was looking for an EOS implementer, how would they reach out to you? You can look me up on LinkedIn. You can reach me. You can shoot me an email at tim.stoll at eosworldwide.com. Or I'm sure you could post my cell phone number on the podcast. So we'll put all that information in the show notes. Put that on. If you thinking, you know, I'm in, let's say, Seattle, Washington or something, I'm not in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I want somebody that's more local, there is the EOS Worldwide website that you can look on that and there is a find an implementer and they can help you to find a local implementer that, that can help you. It's important, I think, and we haven't really talked about this, but it's important to find an implementer that fits you that you have good chemistry with. If the implementer is just not a good fit, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be a great relationship. And so that's another important piece of this is finding somebody that you can have good chemistry with. Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time with you. and Exactly. And some of these discussions 
have gotten heated. So you need someone who is going to be able to facilitate that conversation. I mean, you've been able to tell Brian, JR, and me at different points, you know, just kind of pulling things together. So it's, I love that part that you really do need to find someone. You had a 90 minute consultation with us and we were able to really kind of get a feel for who you were. And I know we've referred you to quite a few people. So my question as we start to wrap up here is there's an automotive repair shop owner who's listening right now is scratching their head saying, okay, well, what do I do first? I'm interested. I need to learn more. I'm curious. What is the next step to reach out to you or an implementer? Is it to read one of the EOS library books? What's the next first step? Okay. You could always say, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to get a book and I'm going to read it. Okay. But will you read it? So oftentimes when people tell me, well, I got to read the book first, that's another way of saying, I'm going to kind of put this off a Mm -hmm. while. All right. I'm not truly committed. I'm going to dip my toe in the water. Right. So I would say as a first step, call me. Okay. We can have a conversation if you want to. And if whether or not you're in Baton Rouge, we can do a 90 minute meeting together Mm -hmm. where I can give you a complete overview of what this whole EOS thing looks like. And you can begin to see, is this a fit for who we are in our organization, who I am? And we could do that virtually or we can do that in person. So if you're removed from Baton Rouge, we can do that virtually. It's easy to make that happen. Or and then you'll travel to them, right? And I can travel to them, probably not for the 90 minute meeting, right. but yeah, definitely right. sure. if they decide they want to move forward and, you know, we've got that great chemistry. So that's probably the fastest way to get started is give me a call. Let's have a conversation and we can start with a 90 minute meeting and go from there. And if you say, you know what, could you refer us to somebody else? I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to help you find the person that's going to be a help to you. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again, Tim, to our listeners, as you can tell, and probably as you've known for a while, we're a little bit passionate about EOS because of everything that it has done for us. And this was a real treat for Kim and I to be able to sit here and and talk about this all with Tim today. Remember, we are one of five podcasts on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find those other podcasts at aftermarketradionetwork.com. We hope that you'll listen in again next week. And until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.